Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Gives us a glimpse of Jesus at 12 years old in the temple, and he's talking to uh, the uh, Pharisees and the educated people of his day, and they are surprised at the questions and comments he has. And so, uh, and then after that, we, we have the, we, we've covered the baptism of Jesus, and I thought you all did a great job with that because we never come up with why exactly did Jesus get baptized. Well, we don't know. We had a lot of ideas come up, and all of them good, uh, but bottom line is, we don't know. Okay. <laughs> Some people uh, have trouble, and well, if you don't know it now, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. If you're going to be a Christian, and we are, amen? amen. Let's try that again. We know. We are. Amen. There you go. Okay. You have to learn to live with paradoxes. Something I don't like them. I'd rather be without them. But you, you just learn to live with paradoxes. We can talk about that uh, some, some other time, okay? Uh, but as soon as Jesus is baptized, he, he goes uh, to the desert to be tempted. And there he is tempted. We'll call, I call that boot camp. Yeah. If, if, if you're going to go to war... You have to get through boot camp first. You can't get through boot camp. You don't need to be leaving to go to war. Yes. You get that. You all get that. Okay. So uh, Jesus has to succeed there, and he did. And now tonight, we get to do his first sermon. Wow. Oh, I want to put you guys on the spot here, okay, but I'm going to. Do you remember your first sermon? <laughs> See, I'm more like that. That's where I was. I did my, I did my best. Well, I didn't feel wrong with it. I, I didn't think it was going to be that tough. <laughs> so that's enough of that. Uh, so we get to do the first. Sermon of Jesus. Tonight, uh, you should have your paper in front of you. Luke chapter 4. And we begin at verse uh, 14 and following. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I was talking with Diane. I, I, don't, I don't have like a theology of the Holy Spirit here, okay? So I'm not going to say this is when the Spirit shows up and that's when it's, But when it does, it's wonderful. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, I was, was I fishing for that. That's exactly what I was fishing for. And just say, but... Yeah, and, and you know, the, the Spirit uh, came upon him when, when he was baptized. It came upon him in the form of a dove. It's it, just a way to communicate to everyone around. 
uh, God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And, and, uh, but, but here now, he's, he's in the power of the Spirit. He is, he is powered by the, the Spirit. And the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. That wouldn't be, uh, you know, hometown boy, come close. We'll, we'll come back to that. And, uh, and, he, and he does great, does great things. So the whole countryside would hear about him. Uh, anybody here know where the Galilean Gazette was? Huh? The Galilean Gazette is at the watering hole. If something happened last night, it'll be at the watering hole in the morning. If something happened after the watering last yesterday, it'll be there. You will not miss out. Okay? You you can't miss. And so they... But, but what I want to get at, they had ways in which they communicated and they knew that information flowed. And that's the way they did it. I'm, wait a minute, that's one way. I'm sure there are other ways. There are usually wise men at the gate and that kind of thing, but that's another, another story. He was, but he was, he was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. That is the way Paul did too. Paul would go into town. Who knows how long Paul would preach at the synagogue? <laughs> Till they kicked him out. And then he'd go preach someplace else. Okay. And, and they, they all praised him. That's, that's good when you, when you go back to your hometown and everybody wants to shake your hand and greet you and Smile and say, we're glad you're here. Amen? That's one thing I like to do. I like to welcome people. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, you get to welcome. Oh, come on in. (laughs) Come on in, sit down at the kitchen table. Yeah. So uh, they're all all praising him. He went to Nazareth now. Now You see we're narrowing it down? We're going to get to it. Is really hometown, yeah. Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Now, if you can go back to where you've been brought up and people still say pretty good things about you, that's really good. You're that of a lion. And, and people lie to you sometimes, too. Yeah. They, they brought up, and on the Sabbath day, went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So Jesus is following his normal routine. Remember we talked that I don't get up on Sunday morning and decide whether I'm going to church. I have a routine. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to church. It was a commitment I made a long time ago, and, and, so, and so I do it. It's not a heavy burden to carry, I want to tell you that. Okay, Pastor? <laughs> Rather makes my life better. Hey, did you notice that? And Christians live longer, too, did you know? Married men, Christians, we live longer, okay? All right. And I think it has to do with 
being, being social, okay? And so that was his custom. That's, that's, what, that's what he did. He, he went to the synagogue. And uh, let me see, where, uh, the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue. It was his custom. He, he stood up to read. So I, I guess he's going to take advantage of this popularity right now and, and say, well, I'll read the scroll. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Now, I want to remind you that they probably did not have the entire Old Testament. Probably. I don't know. Doesn't tell us that. But this is not like a really rich town. And those uh, scraps, if you've got a scrap of it, and if, if you're reading in the book of Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch had a, a piece of scripture. And he had bought it. And he had a piece of scripture that he was reading. Uh, so this, this is very expensive material. And, and so uh, we don't know how much they got there, but, but it was the book of Isaiah. And Jesus must have been fairly familiar with it, okay, to, to find this spot, okay, because there's no chapter and verses and, and that kind of thing in this, in this particular uh, writing that, that he's going to read. So, but, he, but he found the, the prophet Isaiah. It was handed to him, so he unrolled it and, and found this place. Uh, what's he doing? He's going to preach, and he's got a text. He's going to pick out the text now. Do you have trouble doing that sometimes, picking out the text? Boy, yeah. And you think you got one text, and then, oh, you get another, and until you found one, that maybe that's the one. Okay, we'll go with that one. Yeah, we'll go with that one. I'm working on one now. No, no, it's not. No, we're not ready yet. We're working on it, though. Okay. So, uh, you know, things are, things are kind of rolling, just kind of rolling along for Jesus. Okay. You have those times in life, you know. Things just kind of roll along. Go to church come home, have a good Sunday meal. Then there are other times it's don't, things are not quite so calm, not quite so easy. When you're in a calm time, remind yourself things can really, really go south in a, boy, they just, just, okay, just remind yourself that, okay, all right. Let's go to our next slide to see where we're at. Uh, oh, and this is, um, we're, we're always trying to figure out, and I, I brought the, uh, the Septuagint with me. So he might have been reading like the Sept, not the Septuagint itself, but, but the text used for the Septuagint, okay? Um, but, but we think they quoted the Septuagint most of, most of the time. Um, Jesus is probably speaking Aramaic, uh, reading Hebrew, and then he'll, uh, he'll work on that. Okay. 
uh, what, this is what the text says. By the way, you can look it up. Uh, I think it's uh, Isaiah 61. Most, most of, 61. Yeah, okay, Isaiah 61. Uh, you can read it for you. I would, matter of fact, I wish somebody would open it up to the Old Testament and have, have a look at it. And so follow along because we're going to make a point of that. Uh, just, just by way of tech, technical speaking, okay? <clears throat> that's a long way to go on the scroll. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's another thing, you know, because it, your, your scroll would be limited as actually to how many what we call chapters and stuff are on it, okay? And uh, that's another thing in, in when, you're, when you're doing translation, you know, where you change from one scroll to another, those kinds of things, but thanks for bringing it up, Steve, because it it makes a difference. And uh, again, you you wouldn't have all of all on one Isaiah all on one scroll, probably not. Okay, I should I didn't look that up. Okay, but uh, but there's probably a break in there. But now again, uh, remember he's he's in under the power of the Spirit now. He he's under the power of the Spirit, and uh, the Spirit of Lord is on me. He he. He knew something about himself and his relation. Remember, he told him in the temple, I must be about my father's business. Uh, um, I, I must be in my father's house, uh, that, that kind of thing. All right. Uh, he, he knows that, I, I'm not, I don't want to call it a weight, but, but he knows he's got a calling. He, he senses that. He senses God in him. Wonderful, wonderful, scary. It's wonderful when you feel like God is calling you or God has something for you to do and some place for you to go. I hope, hope you, matter of fact, most of the time when I pray for preachers or I talk to them before they're going to preach and I know it, I'll just try to put my hand on them lightly and say, may you sense the presence of God while you speak. That's kind of what else can, can you say that you, know, you don't want to mess with somebody's sermon? Sure not. You know. <laughs> oh, I love it when somebody needs to give you advice about it. Oh, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> All right. Had one of them. Okay. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is on him. And what's he going to do? He's going to proclaim good news to the poor. That's what he's going to do. What kind of news does Jesus have? Good news. <laughs> who, who did that? <laughs> Phil Barrow was at you. Oh, that's good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amen. I don't want to say much more than that, but you know where I'm going with that. There's so many people that's got bad news. You know, just bottle that up and try to sell that. Yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah. But Jesus has got what? Good news. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free. Look at there. You got freedom used twice in there, that whole idea of freedom, which humans have always been aspiring to, but have trouble practicing that, amen. 
Uh, but uh, that early on was a big theme for me, uh, the idea of freedom. And, I'm, and I'm, I know at a political level, people just try to talk, but I'm talking more on a spiritual and psychological and emotional level because um, I tend to be to, to work in here rather than to work out there. And, and I, anyway, enough of that. But you get that, okay. Uh, and, I'm going to cover site three, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay. So God's got good news, and that's the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? And I think that ends it, does it not? If someone is reading... If, if you're looking at it uh, in Isaiah, yeah, there's more to it. But did you notice Jesus didn't say it and Luke didn't say that he said it. He stopped there. Now, what's the next phrase? Somebody got that? The what? Luke don't have that. Jesus didn't say that because he's got good news. <laughs> Not bad. Good news. Are you, are you getting it? So, and so Jesus is selective on what he reads and where he begins and where he stops. Okay. Now, this is his text for the sermon. He hasn't started preaching the sermon yet. This is his text for the sermon. Okay? We got it? That's his text. We know what that is. Some of you know what that is. This is your text, and you really want to stick with your text. Okay? And boy, is he going to stick with it. All right. Uh yeah, then he rolled up the scroll. That's what he did when he got it. He unrolled it. But oh, now he rolls it back up. Rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Now, we think about preachers standing up. Well, in that day, they sat down. That's a signal that uh, the preaching is about really, or the teaching is about ready to begin. That'd be a better way to say it, wouldn't it, Bill Barr? My in-house historian on Jewish customs. Yeah. Why not just give him a, amen? Am I right? Okay. All right. Don't contradict me. No. What? Okay. Then he rolled up this deal. Okay. And he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began by saying to them, Today is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning, the day of the Lord has come. All right? Okay, so that's, that's just at least part of the sermon. Right? We going to go with that? All right. So then he came in the power of the Spirit. Everybody in the synagogue is hearing him. He is reading Isaiah. 
and has one sentence for a sermon. Of what we have, I, there may have been other things said, but this is what we have. And I'm going along with Luke because this is what he wants me to understand happened. And he would know more about that than I would. He's researching it, and, and uh, he, is, he is led to do that, okay? Now, we didn't leave anything of that out, did we? We covered most everything. Okay, one sentence the sermon. Did you get it? One sentence. Now, if, if I get asked to preach, I'm sure the pastor and the people actually want more than one sentence. I'm sure they do. In other words, I'd like to be able to put a sentence together that would make a sermon. Probably not. Okay, so let's go to our next reading. What is our next reading? Uh, 22. Well, we always have a response to the sermon, don't we? We, we, look, we look for a response. Okay, and, and what's the response to Jesus? Oh, we all spoke well of him. We're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. He said one sentence. And read the text. The rest of that text, that's a pretty good way to do things. And gracious words that come from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they said. Meaning, isn't this a hometown boy? We, we know his daddy. So we, we got that. And what are we? Oh, we're amazed at him. Boy, he's really, he's really come to himself, hasn't he? You know, they think they understand the sermon. They don't understand the sermon at all. That's why they think he's so great. He's going to let them in on what that actually means. And we'll see what their response is then. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes as preachers, you know, we, we got feelings too. And so. <laughs> yeah. So somebody will come with a real bad attitude toward the sermon, that kind of thing, but we'll, we'll, we'll say to ourselves, well, they don't understand. That's truly what it is. No, it may not be. Here they don't understand, and they just love him. <laughs> Matter of fact, that was said to a preacher, a buddy of mine. He was a good guy. And uh, there was somebody in the congregation that actually knew something. It was one man, and I knew him. He's a great guy. And he, he told my friend, he said, you know, Gary, if they ever figure out what you're talking about, they'll run you off. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> I'm not sure they ever figured out what he was talking about, but they did run him off. So, <laughs> uh, All the people were amazed. And we got our hometown boy. We got somebody finally made good. Man, oh man, oh man. Amen? Everybody says amen. Yeah. Dumb as a box of rocks, but you're saying amen. 
all, okay, let's go to our next one there now. Let's go. Now we're going to really get some sermon, okay? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote the proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me. Do here in your hometown what you have heard, what you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But they just accepted him. They accepted him because they didn't understand. Okay? I assure you that there are many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut up for three and a half years and there was a severe famine without, without, throughout the land, okay? Um, uh, if, you, if you know this Bible story, we're, we're going to do it in, a, in just a minute, okay? If you don't know this Bible story, uh, the, the great prophet Elijah prayed and the heavens would not produce rain. And you say, well, how long will they go like this until Elijah opens heavens again? And three, it took three and a half years, and then he opened the heavens again, and then rain came. Well, in the meantime, you know, we have shortages, maybe, but they had starvation, and people died. Okay? We, we get away from that in... In our country, you have shortages, you know, but when they had a shortage, people died. And you try to tell someone who's talking about how awful it is to burn diesel fuel, you may need to remind them right away, unless those farmers get diesel fuel delivered in a timely fashion, it won't be just a difficulty, it'll be... Many people will starve to death because you need so many calories just to live. Now, you won't, probably, but the people on the tail end of the economic ladder in this world will starve over that. Just remember that. If you've got a better way to do it, let's do it, okay, but ain't enough of that. I need to, I don't, I need to stop doing that. Okay. So, what, 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 what Jesus is doing now is he's going to illustrate his sermon. As we know, when we preach, one of the hardest things to do is to illustrate a sermon. But he's going to illustrate the sermon, and he uses an Old Testament text to illustrate the sermon. And, and, and the one he picks out here is the widow of Zarephath. Isn't that it? Yeah. So, oh, there are many widows in there. <clears throat> but just one of them got special treatment from God. Just one widow. There are a lot of widows in Israel, but just one got special treatment from God. Amen? We got that. We can move. Okay, let's go on. Move on. <clears throat> yeah, Elijah was not sent to any of them, but a widow in Zarephath in the region of Siddim, or Siddin, I don't know how to say that, okay, but it was a city or country or town or something 
that was there. And there were many in Israel with leprosy. Ah, now we move on to leprosy here. In the time of Elisha, but notice that's different. Now we have Elijah. I always get them mixed up, okay? Because the names are so similar, and, and one was the protege of the other. So, okay, Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Now, what do these two people have in common that Jesus is using? Now, you see, they, they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew all of these Old Testament stories. I don't know how many you've racked up in your lifetime of these stories, but you, you ought to just feed on them because they are absolutely wonderful. They're over 3,000 years old, and they've survived because they are so wonderful and they help us out to live our lives, these great stories, okay? Now, we'll go over them. Did somebody pick up what those two people have in common? Did anybody pick it up yet? Yeah, well, yeah, you don't count. <laughs> What'd you say? Amen. Bingo. Bingo. They're both Gentiles, okay? Now, uh, let's quickly do the stories, all right? If, oh, if you want to read them, and you should, if you don't know these stories, uh, th yeah, these two stories, uh, you, should, you should read them. Uh, Jesus expected that synagogue to know, and they did. They, uh, they knew that. As uh, the widow of Zarephath is in 1 Kings 17, 7 through 24. I probably should have made a note in our outline of that. I did not do that. 1 Kings 17, 7 through 24. It, 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 I wouldn't call it long. I call it mid-length. Mid Both of these stories are mid-length. They're not real long stories. You know, you have a whole bunch of chapters on, uh, on Joseph. If you, if you read Joseph, you have a bunch of chapters on him. He's got a long story. Well worth reading, too, by the way. Well worth reading. Um, but uh, the widow Zarephath, Elijah's told by God to go, to the, go over there, go there, and uh, you actually, you'll find food. You'll find food. I, I've, God said, I'm working with a widow there, and uh, she'll, uh, she'll feed you when you get there. Where you're at now, you starve to death. Boy, Dave did a great job of preaching. I, I, don't, I think it was the last time he preached, or did a great job of preaching about getting yourself positioned right. You remember that? I don't know. That was a good sermon. I remember that one. Now, get you, if you get yourself positioned right, you're, you're well along on the way, okay? The position Elijah was holding was not good along that brook. And, and maybe the crows are having trouble finding it. I don't know. 
But God said, go over there. And the provision is over there. And boy, we preachers that wore that, let's wear it a little bit more. A place called there. A place called there. It's not here. It's over there. God says, you got a provision, but it's not here. It's over there. You've got to get yourself positioned right. And so the prophet goes over there, and he's met with this woman. And the first thing he says to her is, give me a drink of water. Now, where do we hear those kinds of words before? Yes, Jesus at the well. It's a common thing. Uh, when they go up to find a, a wife for Isaac, he says, he asked the girl, give me a drink. She not only gave him a drink, she watered 10, I think it was 10 camels. And did anybody here carry water to a camel? Did you ever water a milk cow? <laughs> you have done that. One milk cow is a job, am I right? Can you imagine 10 camels? This gal was one worker. Yeah. You can see this right away, that this make a great wife. <laughs> we did. That's what the servant, servant said to himself. He was sent up there by his master to find a wife for Isaac, and he said, oh, this woman's one. <laughs> she said, I'll water all, I'll water all your camels. Said, oh, that's the one. <laughs> Got to have her, you know. There's a lot to be said about that. But, okay, that's what she said. Well, as soon as she goes, yeah, we're going to get done, I think. So as soon as she goes for the water for the prophet, he says, bring me a piece of bread now. And she, and she says, I don't have any. She overstated it, but we won't go there now, okay? She overstated I don't have any. Well, she does have a little bit, but she says, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. But, but she says, I, I do have a little meal, and I have a little oil. I'm out picking up sticks now that me and my son are going to eat this and then die. <laughs> Remind me of that statement, I want to eat worms and die. <laughs> she, she overstated it. You know, she said, we don't have any. Well, you do have some. And you are going to eat that. But you're not going to die of starvation. Okay? You're going to die of something, but not that. Okay? And so, we, right, we got it. And so... Elijah stays there, and while he's staying there, the meal did not get used up, and the oil did, did not dry up. There was always meal, and there was always oil, okay? And, and so she, she fed him and, and, and took care of him. Well, what's the message? with God in the right place called there, you're safe and sound. Things will work out somehow. 
And then her son gets sick and dies. Complicated matters. And if you listen to her, I think we get to the crux of the problem. We, you know, if, you, if, if you're looking for the problem, you, you, there's layers. We're like layers. You know, you take layers off, layers off, layers off. Then all of a sudden, you get to the issue which needed to be addressed all along, but wasn't. And so there you are. Okay. She says, have you come to remind me of my sin? That's it. That's it. That has not been dealt with yet. That, and there's something nagging at her life that overshadows everything so much that when her son dies, she says, it must be my fault because I'm a sinner. How many times have you said that to yourself or you saw that happening in society around you? Nothing could be further from the truth. But still, that was the weight that she lived her life under was the weight of the guilt of that sin. Whatever it is, we don't know. It's not said, that's fine with me. But it's there. And so the prophet takes the youngster and gives him life again, I should say, or God gives him life again. And then he takes and gives the boy back to his mother. So it's a real very tender story. It's almost like when Jesus uh, raised the young man in Nain. Uh, Jesus goes up there and the widow was crying because her only son had died. Saddest line probably in the New Testament when it said, and he died. Her hopes of the future were all gone. There was no future for this woman. You have to get in the way she thought, the way she understand, understood God to work. And Jesus raised the boy and said, oh, we can't let this, we can't let this go on and raise the boy and give him back to his mother. Very good stories, just wonderful, wonderful stories. But they never ran out. And, you know, as a young preacher, you, you, you hear things maybe a little different than other people. And you know what I heard in that story is there's always enough. But she said, we don't have enough. Matter of fact, I'm going to gather up sticks. We're going to have what we got and then die. I mean, there's no more beyond that. There's nothing out there. There's no hope. And I want to tell you, in God's plan, there is always enough. Well, that's the first illustration. Now, they all understood that. You get it? They understood, the, maybe not like I'm preaching it, okay, but the facts of that story, they understood. They understood the meaning of it. That the great prophet was not sent to a sick Israelite, but was sent to a Gentile. They all knew it, but they didn't recognize it. And they didn't want to, and so it's easy not to know what you don't want to know. It is. It's just easy. And you can do that. You'd be surprised how people put two and two together and come up with six. It's fine. That's fine. Now, the next story is uh, uh, Naaman. 
That's in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 27. It's a rather longer story. It's got an anticlimax to it with, with the servant. Uh, so, we're introduced to Naaman. He is a commander of the army, and he has been an excellent strategist. He has won battles, vic victory, uh, and he uh, has the ear of the king, and so he is, this is what we would call a great man, but it has that little caveat that he was a leper. And, of course, that overshadows any other good thing there. Now, remember this story, if, 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 if you'll let me step in just a minute in the story and say, this story is a story of absurdity. Everything in it is absurd. He gets a message that he can be healed, but where does the message come from? Huh? A little, a little servant girl that was taken captive and has become a slave for one of his wives or, or his wife. I'm not sure. It was his wife, but I'm not sure it was one of them or whatever. Anyway, so you've got a little slave girl running around the house, and she comes with the message of healing that he needs to hear that he needs so desperately. Where does the message come from? Little servant girl. Okay, you all get that. And you would think maybe some great doctor would come by or some great prophet would come. No. Where did the message come from? Little servant girl. That's where the message. Now, if you follow, that's a theme that runs through the entire story. So let that theme uh, sink in. So he gets together and he's going he's gonna to go to go to Israel and, and, and find that healing that this little girl talked about. And so he gets his mules loaded and he gets his chariot out and he's got an entourage going. He's got 10 sets of clothing and he goes to see the king of Israel. And what, what happens there? Scares the king to death. He thinks they're trying to figure out how to make war. And the king says, am I God? Can I make alive and kill? You know, and all that kind of thing. He thought it was a trick. that he come with this letter and stuff. He thought it was a trick. Then he happened to say, oh, oh, wait a minute. We got a prophet over there. That, we got a prophet. And so... We'll, send, we'll, we'll shuttle him off to the prophet. So sure enough, here he goes with his entourage and everything, and he's making his way to see the prophet. So he gets to the gate of the prophet's house there, and the prophet won't even come out the scene. Guess what the prophet does? Sends a servant. <laughs> Sends a servant. And the servant has the message. 
One preacher preached on this text, and he said, seven ducks in a muddy pond. <laughs> great line. I thought it was a great line. I thought I was in on that. I thought, I'm going in on that. So if you go down to the Jordan River and take a bath in it seven times, and you'll be healed. Well, how does Naaman respond to that? Remember, it says, uh, uh, yeah, he... He is all in a huff. And matter of fact, it says that he leaves in rage. Now, he has everything he needs to be healed. And his emotion and his pride is keeping him captive to <coughs> leprosy. And... Finally, somebody gets through to him and talks to him again. And who is it? <laughs> As Mary says, the servants know. But yeah, one of his servants probably knew how to talk to him and get him calmed down and get him off his high horse. And knew how to talk to him and said, now, if he asks you to do something difficult, you'd do it. If he had asked you for any of your money or something, you'd have paid it. You'd have done all that, but, but he didn't. He just told you to go do that. And, of course, Naaman said, I thought he would come out and do some hocus-pocus, move his hand. Yeah, you got to have, you know, you got to have the Tosa Copas. And we got it. No. The servant said, go or seven times, everything's fine. But he wouldn't. And then he finally says, what? Well, I'll do it. And then he washes himself seven times, and he is cured of his leprosy. And so the great prophet's words comes true. Now, the caveat that was added, I shouldn't say added, part of the story is the servant decides we find out his name later is Gehazi. Well, if you got that name, you're already a kind of a demon. <laughs> Who's that? Gehazi. <laughs> That's who that is. <laughs> so Gehazi, now he's been a servant, okay. He saw some of those possessions, and he thought that he ought to get some of them, or the prophet should have got some of them, and and uh, so Gehazi runs after him and catches him. Now, when Gehazi greets him on the road, if you watch Naaman, or, you know, in your mind, he gets down off his chariot to greet the servant. I don't, you, 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 got, it's just, it, you get it, okay? You, it, it just tells you volumes right there. You're done, you're okay. You know this man has been healed on the outside and on the inside. He's healed. All right. And so, yes, he says, oh, we have some visitors come late last night. We need some extra clothing and maybe a couple of shekels of silver would help. And the only thing that Naaman wanted after that was a couple of lo loads of mule dirt, to the, the dirt that two mules could carry. And so he got that. We'll talk about that some other time, okay? But now, <clears throat> there, he, he gets that, and, and it says real, real clear that 
Gehazi wanted something from him. He said real clearly, boy, you got to be careful what you want. Because he not only got the clothing and he got the silver, he got the leprosy too. He wanted what Naaman had. Yeah, do not go there. Try not to go there as much as possible. Try not to go there. You know, Gavin preached that sermon not long ago. Don't compare yourself with other people or envy other people. Don't you do that. I mean, it's a death trap, I'm telling you, and it was for him, all right? Now, that's the two stories that Jesus uses to talk about himself and what he's doing in his day. Now, they understand the message of Jesus, okay? Amen? They under, now, how do they act? Well, let's see. Let's go to our next slide. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this, when they finally understood his sermon. They're furious. You know the people that think you're the best thing since flash bread today will call you the devil tomorrow? I'll guarantee it. I will get, just, just make sure you get, put that down. Put that down. The people that think you're the greatest today will think you're the worst tomorrow. It's just the nature of the beast, okay? That's why you can't go along with what other people are saying and doing and that kind of thing, okay? Now they've changed. Well, what's changed? Their understanding. That's the only thing that's changed. Jesus is still there. The scriptures are still there. And yet they've changed their attitude 100%. They've turned all around. Why? Because they understand now. And we can't have that. We can't have that, okay? They got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Yeah, just, and these knuckleheads are hard to, I mean, not hard to, to beat anyway, so you just figure out, wait, you just wait on it. Go on about your business, go on about what you got to do, and go ahead and do it. The only thing that changed them now is their understanding. And what did they understand that made the change? Host, but no cigar. Somebody got it? Somebody pick it up yet? Yeah. Go ahead, Bill Barr. Well, it's the two that were taking care of the dead body. Yes. Okay. They're wondering why they didn't get taken care of in the temple for two days. Yeah, it was, it was caused they them. No. No. Fine for them. Good for them. But no Gentiles, thank you. Now we're we're gonna we're gonna end with this, okay? I think that is the ending anyway, isn't it? No, no. 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 okay. Um, we'll we'll come back we'll come back to that, okay? But we'll end, we we will end there, uh, okay? Now your job. 
what Luke wants you to do, what Jesus is doing is to look to the Gentiles of your day and your life and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God loves them just as much as he loves you or any Israelite that ever lived. I remember Scott told that story to me a long time ago now. That's why I knew right away I wanted to be friends with Scott. He said a missionary got through to him when he, when he was telling him why they all come to church and everything in church. He said, now, you know that guy with the surfboard down there that wouldn't go to church and the guy in the tavern over there that wouldn't go to church? And, and went on. she went on and on about that. She said, I want to remind you that God loves them as much as he loves you right here in church. When you come to that point, you're getting close to the message of Jesus. And remember, this message is not for everybody. If it's for everybody, it's because they don't understand it. Because when they understand it, they ain't going to like it for a while. It'll be bitter in their mouth, it's sweet in their tummy. And just let the message seep through to you. And know that when Jesus started his First sermon, he got grave, I mean, got rave reviews until they understood it. And then once they understood it, they'd kill him about it. They were really wanting to kill him. Push him off the cliff. You, you got that. That, that. that was their aim. Push him off the cliff and to end his life. Amen? Amen. I was quit with that. Lord, we thank you for your love toward us in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we always get his message, at least understand what we're capable of today, knowing that he will lead us into more tomorrow. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.